co-host, finance expert, and author, and my better half, Ruben Advani. Hey, Ruben. Hi, Emily. So we have a bunch of little ones at home, and we have one song that is on repeat lately, and that is Into the Unknown from Disney's Frozen 2. I can't help but think of Into the Unknown when we're talking about the recent volatility in the stock market? Well, I, I think if there were uh, a theme song for this situation in the financial markets, I would I would say that would be at the top of my hit list. So the stock market has seen... But I, I would add, I prefer it to be back in black. <laughs> well, I, I, fair. I think everybody would prefer that. So the stock market has seen some historical lows over the last week or so. The Dow point-wise hit... Well, his historic point drops. Historic and, point drops. And, and I'm glad you brought it up because there are many folks on Main Street who are a, a bit perplexed in terms of what this actually means. So historic in the sense that these were monumental point drops... But in the big scheme of things, given the lofty levels at which the Dow stands, percentage-wise, it's troubling, but it's not as bad as some of the things we've seen in the past. But the Dow did see a one-day drop last week of somewhere around 1,200 points. I mean, that's, that's a lot of points. Correct. In fact, there were three days last week where those drops were in the near 1,000 point range. And that that's troubling. That number carries a great deal of psychological weight. And I don't really seek your advice on everything, but the one thing I'd like to seek your advice on and for you to give us context on is what is going on here? Well, <laughs> that's a question I've been asked quite a bit over these last few days. And it's not an easy question to answer because to some degree we're in uncharted territory. We can piece together some of the underlying factors. For starters, the market tends to breed uncertainty. And more importantly, the market doesn't like uncertainty. And amongst the factors that can affect stock market perceptions, a virus is is something with a great deal of uncertainty in terms of outcome. With regard to this particular strain, we're not sure really where it came from. There are a number of theories floating around, but those theories seem to shift every couple of weeks. We're not clear in terms of how quickly it spreads, and we're not entirely clear in terms of who carries it, because many believe that there are people with no symptoms who are carrying this virus as we speak. So as you can see, these are just a few data points that indicate uncertainty. And the stock market does not like uncertainty. And just to be clear, the virus we're talking about is the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, 
that's what we're really pointing to here. That, that's what we're really pointing to. That's right. So a virus, a sort of a health issue, is causing major turbulence in the market. It's by many accounts a catalyst for the turbulence. Now, for quite some time, people have been talking about the stock market indices. For example, the Dow Jones reached an all-time high on February 12th. The Nasdaq set a record on February 19th. And when markets achieve record levels, people tend to get a bit nervous. In other words, we ask ourselves, this is a great party, but how long can it last? So for quite some time, people have been looking at possible catalysts for a correction of sorts. So it's quite possible that this was indeed that catalyst. Whether the coronavirus is indeed as bad as people think will, will play out in the coming months. But for now, it is serving as an effective catalyst to bring these um, stock market valuations back a bit. And along with the uncertainty, the virus does bring true economic impact as well. We've seen in places where there has been, um, you know, major spread of the virus that people are staying indoors. They're not going out. They're not going to big group settings. This can truly affect the economy, correct? And as you always point out, the economy and the stock market aren't necessarily the same thing, but they are interrelated. When it, when it comes to stock market-related matters, I, I, especially exogenous matters, I tend to think of them in terms of two tiers. The real impact and the perceived impact. Both carry weight in these situations. So if we think about the coronavirus, the real impact could be a mass pandemic that screeches global markets to a halt. Why? Because people are sick. Tragically, people are dying. And people have no motivation or no desire or really no need to spend on anything other than basic necessities. So that's clearly the worst case scenario. And we're all, all praying that doesn't take place. But that, of course, would impact the stock market. At the same time, there's the perceived factor in all of this, which is I'm scared. I don't really know what's going to happen. But for that reason, I'm not going to spend money on things other than what I, I, I absolutely need. What that means in terms of day-to-day -day living, I won't go out as much. I won't go out to restaurants. I won't go out to the shopping mall. I won't buy things that I would have otherwise enjoyed on Amazon because, frankly, there are bigger problems to worry about right now. And that's simply from the consumer's perspective. Now think about it from the corporate perspective. Major corporations are deciding to cancel uh, boondoggles, corporate retreats, and even non-essential business meetings. So when corporations cut back, that in turn spills over into the overall economy. Not to mention travel. Well, travel is one of the sector's hardest hit. People just uh, recognize that flying on a plane is like being confined into a large-scale Petri dish. So if it's not entirely necessary, if it's not vital for survival, people are avoiding it. Well, even my parents are supposed to be going on a cruise, and there were definitely some phone calls to figure out if this was worth doing, if they can get their money back with travel restrictions. Um, you know, we are talking about taking a trip 
for one of our daughter's birthdays. And now we're sort of second guessing, is that going to be the best use of our time? You know, these are, these are real implications. And if we're amongst anybody else on Main Street, we can't be the only ones thinking these things. Well, that's right. I think our family is in, in some ways a, a microcosm for uh, the, the economy as a whole. We're, we're thinking about, we have a, a large family, large extended family, and we see around the, the conversation around the, the Sunday dinner table what's happening and what people are thinking about, what people are fearful of. And the reality is people are erring on the side of caution. And that rarely plays out well in terms of the economy and more importantly in the stock market. It's also hard for people in this scenario, um, in the stock market, not to mention the Great Recession that began in 2008. Do you feel like this is similar? Could this be something that spurs on another recession? Or is this like comparing apples and oranges? I don't think it's similar. And I do think it's like comparing apples and oranges. This is an entirely new paradigm, at least one that we haven't seen in generations. Going back to the 2008 financial crisis, most believed there was an end and that end would happen in the near term or the medium term because people understood the root problem. The root problem was over leverage and it was endemic and it needed time to work its way out of the system. So it was largely a financial problem and one that would find a solution. Now that solution involved ultimately some government intervention, some corporate intervention, some intervention of some of the more influential players in the investment world, namely Warren Buffett, but eventually confidence was restored and the problem was solved. A global pandemic or a potential pandemic is a different animal entirely, so to speak. We just don't necessarily know how to fix it. Think about the possible solutions. Well, the easiest would be um, uh, for the pharmaceutical companies to come up with a way to treat or cure the, the, the population. And that could be months away. That could be years away. So, so coming up with an antidote, coming up with something that can solve this problem is too difficult to predict. We know that Folks at major pharmaceutical companies are hard at work on something, but there's a process that requires testing, and we just don't know when this will reach an inflection point. Secondly, the virus could go away. As weather changes, viruses have been known to dissipate. But again, we don't know if that, that, that will be the case. And of course, the biggest risk is if this mutates to some form in which it's, it's, it's far more severe. And that's a possibility, but again, we can't predict it. So where I'm going with all this, and, and keep in mind, I'm not a medical professional, so I don't profess to know much about what's happening more than the average person here. But what I do know is how financial markets behave. And right now, there's just too much uncertainty around the coronavirus. And for that reason, financial markets are behaving in a rather erratic fashion. So like back to the top of the, top of the conversation, really, we're going into the unknown. Back into the unknown. Okay, Ruben, so is this whole thing an overreaction? Well, that depends. If this turns into a pandemic, if the virus spreads, it accelerates, it mutates, it will turn out that this was not an overreaction. On the other hand, if it dissipates, 
Well, then people will look back and say it, it, it was indeed an overreaction. How's that for a politician's answer? I don't know if that was quite a yes or a no, but it, it was a no, maybe? It was, it was a maybe or a none of the above. It, I, I think the bottom line here is I wish I could say with confidence. Uh, but again, you know, going back to 2008, I think people were... Um, were much more in tune with what would play out next. And people, uh, for example, uh, back in, in March of 2009, when the stock market uh, bottomed out, there were a number of people, both in the media as well as investors, who said, that's it, we've hit the bottom, we're going to start to work our way higher from here. And I think people felt confident about that. They had recognized that things were starting to work their way out of the system and things could only get better. But with regard to a virus, it's very difficult to predict. Now, I think if tomorrow somebody announces a cure, well, I, th I think we'll be in a better place and we'll know that um, this has played out and perhaps all of this was an overreaction. Unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen tomorrow. The reality is right now, in our country and the world, there are other things that are affecting the stock market and are going to affect the stock market in the coming months. And what are some of those things? A looming election is definitely one of them. A looming election is definitely one of them. And under the umbrella of this 2020 presidential election is the Democratic primary season, uh, which got off to a rough start. The Iowa caucuses were uh, less than um, optimally managed. Uh, let's just leave it at that. And that's to some degree cast out over the entire process. At the same time, you've got a number of candidates who have uh, largely disparate agendas. And it's making people even within the party question what the party itself stands for. And in particular, the folks who tend to lean uh, more on the left, who have more progressive agendas, are creating a number of concerns on Wall Street and across corporate America. Well, tell me more about these agendas. Well, clearly you have Bernie Sanders, who has captivated the hearts and minds of many young people. Uh, quite surprisingly, to, to be honest, I, I, I never would have predicted many years ago that a candidate like, like Bernie would uh, carry so much weight amongst uh, the younger uh, electorate. But there's something about his fiery brand and his progressive agenda that appeals to younger voters. So I think that he in particular is starting to really scare Wall Street because he's talked about uh, essentially dismantling private insurance carriers, which would uh, undoubtedly have a spillover effect across the healthcare sector. Uh, he's talked about the growing student debt crises and some of his um, ideas for combating it, which uh, many believe would prove detrimental to business as a whole. So I, I think, you know, Bernie Sanders scares a lot of people. Uh, then you've got people more, more in the middle, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, so I think you're going to see a little bit of back and forth in terms of market reaction, depending on how things play out this primary season. Well, and not to mention former mayor Michael Bloomberg. He's almost synonymous with Wall Street and the stock market. That's exactly right. And he's another wild card in all of this because uh, he had uh, one debate showing that was, um, was uh, subpar, to say the least. He's spending a ton of money on the race. He's, to some degree, shrouded in controversy. 
His policies are generally pro-business, but Wall Street hasn't reacted as much to him because Wall Street's still trying to gauge whether or not he's a viable candidate. So I think what's going to happen is in the next few weeks, things will start to shake out and one or two leaders will emerge. And in primary season, anything can happen. I think years ago on the Republican side, John McCain uh, taught us that he was effectively left for dead and made a uh, made a historic comeback to end up uh, uh, gaining the, the Republican nomination. So I think um, at this point, we, we need to take a wait and see approach in terms of how we react, at least from a business standpoint, to, um, to the uh, primary season on the Democratic side. So for the next few months, we really have a lot to watch between what's going to be happening with the coronavirus and also what's going to be happening here in this country with our own primaries and the upcoming 2020 presidential election. Yes, we, we have a lot to watch. And even as the primary season starts to find its cadence, I think we'll then be turning our attention to the general election in November. And the general election in November will also largely be, uh, to some degree, impacted by the coronavirus and other major global economic factors. So I think the central theme here is that these factors are moving in tandem and they will probably converge at some point. Well, I have to say, Ruben, during these times of uncertainty, I'm glad that I have you by my side. Oh, well, that is... is... At, le at least in terms of the financial stuff. Oh, jeez. You couldn't just leave it as a nice compliment, but I'll take it. Well, thank you, Ruben, as always, for offering your advice and insights on all things Wall Street to Main Street. Again, I'm your host, Emily Advani, here with my co-host, finance expert and author, and my husband, Ruben Advani. Ruben, thank you again. Thank you, Emily. Into the unknown.